Hey, good morning. Uh, Saturday morning here on uh, December 26th. So big birthday number 89 for uh, Opa or Albert. So uh, picking up a podcast where we left off. I think last time we talked, uh, Oma had just uh, left her job, was pregnant, and I think the big day was about to come up for the first child. So can you tell us a little about that? When was when was um, Sonia born? Oh, on the 5th of October in 59. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we figured, we were told first that it would be uh, a little bit later, but apparently she must have been in a hurry getting out, so it was on the 5th of October. Yeah. And that was uh, an unbelievable change, at least to me. Uh, but I, I guess. Uh, my wife was in the same boat. She, uh, she, she couldn't wait because she was carrying the burden, because it is quite the thing. And uh, if you're not used to it, like I never seen uh, or experienced in a pregnancy before, that as as a husband, and uh, I started to uh, realize that it is quite, quite the thing that uh, when a woman gets a child. And uh, there it came, and I sit in the hospital and... Well, let's just, just back up. So she was born on, was, do you remember what day of the week it was? Where, where were you? Oh. Did you get a call? Like, Oh, no, I was, uh, uh, well, she, uh, she had to go to the hospital. So I, uh, I went to visit the hospital. Uh, so when, how did Oma get to the hospital? I brought her to the hospital. Okay, so you, okay. It was in my own time. Yeah. But uh, I went. I kept working. Okay. But uh, then I, uh, for uh, okay, it was towards the weekend. On the weekend, I had my own time. I could go whenever I wanted, and that's what I did. And I believe the oh gosh, I she. Yes, I was there, but I was not allowed to be present when the child was born. Those were the rules in those days. Okay, yeah, but so just backing up, so uh, Oma started having contractions or yeah, whatever. Yeah, You took her in, you dropped her off. Yeah, I, uh, I made, no, I first made sure that everything was okay. Yeah. When I was told, the nurse said, well, you don't know how long it is, but you might as well go, and we have your number, okay. we'll call you right away. Well. If I happened to be home, yeah. but then when the weekend came, I and it was close enough to the weekend, if I remember right. And uh, when the weekend came, I uh, I went up there and I stayed there. And if I wanted something to eat, if, uh, then I could go to the cafeteria. They had fantastic cafeteria there in the Oshawa Hospital. And I was more or less uh, I was not a patient, but I was in the hospital all the time. So how long was Oma in the hospital then? Like. Uh, like I know see. nowadays you get contractions, you go in and the baby's yeah. kind of born within a day. Yeah. But it sounds like you're talking a uh, lot no, longer. Three so or four days. Okay. See, uh, um, it seemed that uh, the baby was going to be born, but then uh, maybe it had to change the heart at the end and, and uh, noticed that, well, it's kind of chilly out there. It's, uh, it's nice and cozy where she was. So, uh, nothing happened, and then all of a sudden, uh, the the pains got so bad, and she was put, and I was, no, no, you can't come, you can't come in there, and too many fathers uh, fainting, I guess, when they they see it, and uh, at least that is what's the reason they were get, they gave me, and uh, I probably saw more blood in my life than those nurses ever had, but anyhow. Uh, I was not allowed in, and I waited, and I waited, and oh, hours, hours later, yeah, congratulations, you know, yeah, you're a father now. Mm-hmm. But uh, so, uh, what is it? It's a baby girl. And I says, can I go and see? No, because she is in the incub- incubator because. Mm-hmm. 
she came early uh, by fair amount. But uh, a healthy baby, everything was okay, but because it was a bit early, they put her in an incubator. Mm -hmm. But you can see her, if you wait a couple hours, they get in there ready and get her in there, they got to be, yeah, whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I should have known, but I never had any classes on how to, what to expect or anything. So I went to this big wall with glass, and you see all those incubators, there must have been 40 or 50 of them. Mm -hmm. And one of them, our child was in there, and uh, I said to the nurse, oh, the, uh, they'll get her and they, they will bring it right up to the glass where you stand. Yeah. You know, that's what, what they do. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was one nurse on the other side of the wall with me. And oh, there they come. I said, well, don't tell me. I uh, I want to see, do I recognize my own child? Mm -hmm. One of those crazy ideas I had. I, I like to go, I would have liked to go in there, of course, mm -hmm. I'm not allowed to. And then look around and look around at all those babies. Ah, that's the one. And I could have done that because when, when she was, wheeled up to the window and I looked at her and she had black hair and her face was uh, uh, not wrinkled or anything. No, it was nice and just as if she was already 10 days old. Mm -hmm. And she looked at that time exactly like my older sister, my oldest sister, mm -hmm. Rhea. And uh, there was no mistake. And, and, I, and I remember I said, Ria, and then the nurse, she was about to go. Yeah. Is that what you're gonna call her? I said, no, no. I said, she looks like my older sister. And that is why I would like to pick it out. If you had brought in four or five, yeah. and then say one of them is yours, mm -hmm. uh, which one is it? Mm -hmm. I would have picked her. So anyway, that was just uh, a silly thing, maybe uh, just me, but I went home and uh, of course the first thing I did is go to the store and buy cigars because I got to go to work right. and you got to hand out the cigars. Right. And uh, I never had, we didn't have that custom back home, but I was soon enough informed at Dunlop. So I asked, when are we going to get the cigar? And uh, well, I don't know, it's, uh, I'm just waiting, I'm just waiting. So uh, I handed out the cigars and I think I got one day off. Yeah, the day that, that she came home mm -hmm. with the baby, um, I got off, but I had to pick her up and bring her home. And yeah. the first thing when they come home, they're weak and you know, yeah. that's understandable. How long was, how long was uh, Oma and Sonia in the hospital before they came home after? Oh, gosh, I don't know. I don't remember. Uh, I wish I did. Oma oh, probably knows. I mean, in fact, I know she knows. Yeah. But uh, but it wasn't the same day, wasn't it? No, 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 no. There was uh, four or five days, maybe yeah. six. Yeah. Uh, Plenty of time to hand out cigars before they came home. Oh, oh, yeah. Everybody finished their cigars before they came home. Yeah. And uh, uh, because at that time, they keep you longer than they do nowadays. Yeah. But uh, that was uh, now now Sonia. So what was what was Sonia's what's Sonia's full name? Sonia Antonia Shirley Williams. Okay. So how did you guys come up with the name? Uh, was there a rationale behind it? Was there? Well, I uh, I called her Sonia because uh, if I called her. Antonia, Tony, or something like that. At that time, it did not seem uh, a common name in Canada. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want the child to have to grow up with some foreign name that she would be remembered by. Mm -hmm. But second and third name, uh, that's okay. So uh, I always, I don't know why, but I probably read the books somewhere at some mm -hmm. point when I was still in my younger years. Yeah. And uh, there was a girl in there named Sonia. Yeah. 
That and wasn't one of those forbidden books that your dad ripped up. On no, <laughs> no, uh, he ripped it up before I got to. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I uh, uh, I thought I'll call her Sonia because well I had to make that decision at the yeah. time, and uh, the second name after my mom because the two uh, grandmothers. Mm -hmm. Uh, one had died, that was my mom, yep. and the custom was, at least back home, to name the child after the that grandmother. Right. And so the second name was Antonia, that yep. was my my full uh, given name to, mm. uh, to my mom. And surely it was the name of the godmother mm. of Sonia. And that was uh, Matt, Matt's wife, yeah. they, uh, Shirley. She was from Australia. Yeah. She's still alive and lives in uh, in the U.S. Yeah. And uh, so uh, Sonia Antonia Shirley. And uh, I used the same kind of reasoning with the other two. Yeah, no, just curious. Uh, yeah. No, I, uh, um, I had... I didn't know enough about Canadian customs uh, with children and whatnot because well, I was never told. Mm -hmm. And uh, before we got married, uh, but that was the farthest thing yeah. of my mind uh, from my mind to to mm -hmm. think about. Mm -hmm. uh, except that uh, I could have, but you know that your wife gets pregnant. Pregnant, you know that at some point there's going to be a baby. Yeah. Uh, but I. Uh, I never worried too far ahead of time, mm -hmm. but it all worked out okay because the name is all registered and so there she was and <laughs> as time goes on and we were living in Port Whitby upstairs in that apartment right. and uh, one day I was very fortunate to have a wife who didn't need too much, too many additives or uh, substitutes to feed the baby because she had a very rich supply of her own. And uh, <laughs> one thing that she, she still uh, scolds me for once in a while when she happens to think of it is, uh, so I was home, I was an afternoon shift and that was in the morning sometime before lunch. And uh, she said, well, I got to feed the baby. And uh, I well, first make the, the problem, what they call problem. That was this kind of powder that you mix in mm -hmm. with milk, with warm milk. Right. And of course, the breast milk, it's ideal. It has the right temperature. It's got all the nutrients that the child needs. And for the longest time. I wonder what it would taste like because I don't remember when I was that small. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't help but wonder. So mother gets everything ready and she had a little saucer that she put the milk on and puts the problem in, mixes it all up, puts the spoon in it and goes to the bedroom to get the baby. Get the baby. And I sit there and I look at it and it wasn't all that much. I thought I got to try that, so I took a spoonful, and I liked it so much I finished the whole thing off. <laughs> she said, "Yeah, you would have starved the baby just because you." <laughs> but uh, yeah, one of those crazy things you can do sometimes. Uh, but there was there was enough, so I I didn't shortchange the baby in any way. Uh, Anything stand out as far as changes with having a baby in the house? Well, uh, anything, this... Anything you didn't expect? Because, you, like you said, first one around. Yeah, well, I uh, didn't expect... Uh, uh, I knew that I couldn't go by memory because I never had the experience. Yeah. So you had to play it by ear, and I know that at that time... Uh, if they asked me to work overtime, I always did yeah. whenever I had a chance. Mm -hmm. No way. Yeah. I would not, not for the time that the child was that small, but yeah. you know, after a few months, mm -hmm. the baby is getting big enough and 
you know, you can get reactions, yep. and you can talk to them, and they start to make noises, mm -hmm. and then you sit there uh, wondering what would that what would that mean? Uh, sometimes you get the feeling, oh, that's what it was. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 like a game I never played before, yeah. and uh, it, but soon enough. Uh, everything is okay, so I go to work while I put my full shift in. But I didn't work overtime for a while. But then uh, the uh, the foreman, my foreman's name was George Brown, and he was a tough guy. He was uh, very good for the company. He was strict. Uh, nobody liked him because he was strict. And if I needed another uh, blade or knife for to do my job, then I had to get full explanation as to why I already need another blade. Right. You know, he uh, he didn't just throw it on because I don't pay for it anyway. No, he he was a real company man. But uh, we got along fine and uh, so he said, uh, Albert, are you ready for overtime yet? Because I really need somebody tonight. I said, no, I'll work over. Okay, then uh, you, you stay over till 8 o'clock because I was done at 4. Mm -hmm. And I was on day shift, so I worked till eight o'clock, and uh, I could go in the office and, you know, like in the foreman's office, and phone home. I'll be eight at home at eight, so that yeah. mother knows that I, uh, I'm going to be working overtime. Mm -hmm. And from there on, I tried to get every hour of overtime I could get because, well, you soon enough realize that uh, there is some extra expense. Maybe not much. We were. Prepared at the time, we didn't have to buy diapers no. per se. Well, we bought them. We were given a lot of them too, but they were all the the cloth diapers yet. Right. And uh, every once a week or twice a week, the guy from the cleaning guy would come around, pick up the bag, was his bag. We put the the dirty diapers in, and mm -hmm. he takes them along, and uh, he would leave. You never get the same one back, mm. but he would leave. As many as he, he took, he would leave the clean ones, and gotcha. you know, until they started to come out with mm. these uh, disposable. I, I yeah, yeah, the disposable ones. I couldn't see why, but uh, okay, uh, things were different, and uh, uh, we used them. And uh, <laughs> I never realized you needed that many in a week. Because that was a real poop factory. Yeah. It, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, when, when you're not used to it, then uh, could you change the diaper? <laughs> I remember the first, well, of course I'll change the diaper, why not? Yeah. Uh, I'm the father, I, I should do my share. Yeah. But then <laughs> I never, never realized that baby poop could stink so bad. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, no, that. <laughs> But it's my baby, and mm -hmm. so you you wipe it off and you clean it up. Uh, we didn't have any spray or anything, yeah. but uh, yeah, I did my share of mm -hmm. uh, changing diapers. Mm -hmm. uh, it was uh, it was a very exhilarating time when the first baby was born. Right. Of course, when the later ones come, uh, you already know so. Uh, they are better off as far as treatment is concerned because I knew what to do. Yeah. With the first one, uh, Mom, what do, I, what do I do with that? Uh, I had no, no more trouble. Once you go yeah. through it, when you know it. Yeah. It's just like working in a factory when I was starting in GM on, the, mm -hmm. on that merry-go-round. Mm -hmm. The first day, I'll never learn it. I'll never keep up. Mm -hmm. At the end, I could do two jobs at the same time. So that... <laughs> I could have had twins the next time, and I would have been okay. <laughs> so, Sonia is a is a baby there now. What about other kids? Like I know, um, um, Henny's brothers and sister were around, and they had kids. Any other kids around that age? Uh, the landlord, uh, they were getting kids the same way, yeah. almost the same time we did. Yeah. Well, give or take a month or two or three. Yeah, but. Uh, uh, and then, uh, because well, the, the the three sets of you got married around the same time, right? 
Yeah, well, yeah. yeah when uh, uh, but Joe, he Joe met, and Matt got married, and then you got you were forced to get married because um, yeah. she told you had to. But they, yeah, but they had to get married yeah. uh, because of the law saying that yeah. when the wife comes over or the, your girlfriend comes over to Canada, yeah. then you have to get married within so much time, or she has to go back. Yeah. And. Uh, uh, I never knew that, but that is how yeah. what I heard at the time. Yeah. Why should I worry about it? And uh, uh, so they got married, Joe and Nellie. Yeah. And then for some reason, uh, Matt and Shirley, they had been going uh, going out yeah. for a while, and uh, well, they all like to get their own place. Yeah. You know, you can't go boarding forever. And uh, so they get married a week after. And uh, and that's why. Uh, yeah, no, I just curious. So yeah. you had the baby. I didn't know if that started. Babies coming along at that time, or yeah, was you the only baby at the time, or. Well, uh, 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 Nelly got. Uh, see, we got married in '57, mm. but Sonia was born in '59. Yep. And uh, uh, Patty is the is uh, Joe and Nelly's daughter. Yep. And they only had the one child, yeah. and uh, she was, I think, almost a year older than. Uh, so she'd be around fifty-eight. Huh? Yeah, yeah, more or less. Yeah. And uh, uh, and then Martin Shirley didn't get any yeah. children, so they. Uh, uh, but Patty and Sonia, they kind of grew up together, yeah. but. And as they get older, the age difference really didn't matter anymore, yeah. or not that as much. Yeah. And uh, and but they were, they didn't in the beginning, when they didn't know that they were alive, like the first couple of years, yeah. uh, they were living downstairs and we were living upstairs, and uh, uh, shortly after. The well, the landlady we were in maybe half a year. The landlady came up one time and said, "Well, she she wanted ten dollars a month more. Well, so you go from fifty to sixty dollars. Yeah. No argument. Uh, well, everything goes up, and I like it here. At uh, we had all the this, the. this is the Port Whitby apartment. I was in Port Whitby, yeah, uh, at Herman Insurance Place." And uh, but then uh, when uh, we had the baby, maybe uh, two or three months mm. at the most, and then she came upstairs one time and she says, "Well, she had to up the rent to ninety dollars, and that was uh, a thirty-dollar jump." Mm -hmm. And uh, at the time, the percentage-wise was. A big chunk because yeah. we started with fifty. She upped it soon enough to sixty, and it was for yeah. the longest time sixty. And then in one bite, it was ninety. Mm -hmm. So I said, "Well, we're gonna have to look for our own place." And that's what I did. And I found a place, but what did I know about real estate? I, I never had anything to do with it. Uh, so I started looking around and. I found this place on Byron Street North in Whitby, and uh, the number was 882. And I remember the day that I went to look at it, mm. and uh, it was uh, 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 more like a, sh a shack than a house. But at that time, mm. there still were a lot of people, especially in that area, with outhouses. Right. And it had an outhouse too. But they, the the guy that owned it, and he came along when I was looking, and he went to the basement, and uh, he said, "You see the hole there in the bottom of the wall?" I said, "Yeah." He says, "Well, the sewer is right on the other side, and that's where we want to hook it up because uh, he wanted to get rid of the outhouse." He said, mm -hmm. and then he would have a toilet in, installed inside, and the hookup was there. And of course, I don't go and check and see if there is a hole 
to feel that. And uh, after a while I looked at the whole thing and uh, a lot of fixing up, but I can do that in my spare time. Uh, I can do a lot of work in those days. If I can work two shifts in a row, then I'm sure as hell going to be able to uh, do some work at home. So uh, we bought the place and... Uh, do you remember when you moved into Byron Street? Was it in 60 or uh, 59? Oh yeah, that was in that was in nineteen sixty. Yeah, nineteen sixty. I'm quite sure. And uh, um, well, that's uh, right away. There was no kitchen cupboards, mm -hmm. but uh, the time to move move in came. They moved out, and we got the key and the papers and all the stuff. And uh, I still had to go and look, or I had to before we moved in to look for a lawyer. Mm. I had no idea what to ask for or anything. So they told me, you go tell them that, uh, that you bought a house and you need the legal paperwork done. Mm. But Ted told me, he knew. Yeah. And uh, so I found a lawyer, uh, I think in the phone book. And I don't know why it took him, but anyway, I went there. And he was conveniently located, and he got everything done, and we were in the house. And as soon as we moved in, uh, well, where am I going to put our groceries? Because you got to put them somewhere, you can't put them on the floor. And I got the two by four and a skit that was sitting outside, mm -hmm. and I nailed the skit to the, to the wall in the kitchen, and I put the two by four in the opposite corner, and we put the stuff on top of that skid. Mm -hmm. We had a, a sheet of plastic or something on top of it. And there was our groceries right in the open. But it didn't matter because I was going to put the kitchen cupboards and everything. Yeah. But it just needs time. Mm -hmm. So, uh, uh, but there are other things that have priority. So once the skid was up, mm -hmm. uh, well, we got to do something about the, the heat, we had the space heater. Mm -hmm. Oh, and the guy said, it chases you out of the place, it's so hot, and it does the whole house. Well, the whole house was the kitchen, the living room, and the two bedrooms on the front. Yeah. And if you leave the doors open, that space heater would put the heat all over, and, uh, and there was no insulation in the walls or nothing. Mm -hmm. They didn't believe in things like that because oil was cheap. And uh, I said, well, that space heater, that, that's no good. I wanted more heat because the bedrooms in the front, they were colder than the rest of the house. Right. So I go and see if I could get a furnace. And uh, I bought the furnace in town. And well, I, uh, you buy furnace, that's a good furnace, you believe. I always believe people, I thought they're in business, not to cheat somebody, but they make money on whatever. I said, well, I would like to buy a used furnace. Do you have used furnaces? Oh yeah, we have several. And so um, I said, that looks like a nice furnace. Yeah, well, have a look at it. So I look around and uh, it seems like these, uh, there's a work fine. Oh yeah, well, the burner is here and it's all clean, it's all nice. And, mm -hmm. So I paid for the thing and installed it. I took it apart. And at the time I had an old bun wagon that I had bought. Uh, it used to be from Perfection Bakeries in Whitby. It was, you know, for delivering bread. Okay. And on Brock Street South there was uh, a bakery at the time. And they done away with that. It's like a... Uh, like a van, mm. but uh, there were not that many vans around at the time. But anyhow, I uh, I bought it. I put the furnace pieces in, came home, carried them downstairs, and assembled the whole thing again. And started it up. It was going great. Got a, an oil tank in. Uh, it's amazing what you can do when you're young. And I got it going, 
and it was working fine. And then one time I come home from night shift and the first thing I do is go to the bathroom in the front and mm. mother was already up and uh, making breakfast. And I go to the bathroom and see the baby. And she was in this cradle that we had, we bought it in a Dutch store in Toronto, right. made out of bamboo or something. Mm -hmm. And it had uh, a little uh, heaven, like a, uh, a curtain over the top. Yeah. And uh, I, somebody still has it. And uh, so I said, you got to clean her nose because it got black around the nostrils. Uh, is there any dust in, in, in the house? I didn't know what it was. And then she looked at it and that soot. I said, you got the soot, how can that be? And uh, you got to check it. So there was a guy living up the street, uh, well, on Brock Road, on Brock Street, a little ways north. He was an Austrian guy, Rudy Nicolucci. And uh, I said, Rudy, can you come and have a look at my furnace? I said, because I think there is soot coming out. And how can that be with uh, got the chimney and all? And he, uh, he said, uh, it can't be. He says there is something wrong with the fire pot because that's the only way you can get soot to come in into the house. He says, you had better get that fixed right away. And he, uh, I said, could you come and have a look at it? Because I don't know. And he looked around, that was his job. And he says, you know, I think there is something wrong with the fire pot. So do you mind if I take this side off? He says, I just undo a couple of screws and I can look around and see there may be a crack in the furnace. A crack in the furnace, all right was that long. I never saw that before, but uh, it never should have been sold in the first place. But anyhow, uh, he says, you better get yourself another furnace. And I said, well, I just got the thing. Well, where did you get it? I said, over at Bidby Automatic Heating. And uh, he said, that is the, that's the mayor's uh, store I said, business. I said, yeah. I said, well, I didn't think that the mayor would cheat me, so he said, well, then take it back and tell him that I told you that that furnace is defective and that you want another one. So I went up there and he said, well, no, it is a used furnace. You knew it was a used furnace and we can't, um, uh, you take it out, whatever you want to do, but we can't give you the money back for it. It wasn't all that much maybe 50 bucks or so, but $50 at the time was a lot of money. So it was a dollar. Anyway, I uh, uh, I had to get another furnace and I told Rudy, I said, they are not going to give the money back and frankly, I don't think that I want another furnace from them. And uh, so he said, well, I have a furnace uh, sitting in my workshop and it is a lot better than this one, but uh, it is used. But before I bring it over, he was going to bring it over, and he didn't live too far away from me, maybe a couple of hundred yards. And uh, he said, I'll check it over before you get it. And so he said, uh, it's all right, the pot is fine, and the, the, the fire brick inside like the pieces of mm -hmm. the, where the, the flame is uh, and, and that was all uh, furnace oil, like oil furnace. And uh, so he brought it over and uh, put it together and it had a feature that was new and it was unique to that particular brand. And the furnace can make a lot of noise and it carries through the ducts and you can hear that in the house. And this company had come up with an idea. They suspend the plenum, which is the big duct on top of the furnace, and they suspend it from the ceiling, but also 
with the noise barrier in between. So it was hanging between the ceiling and and the furnace. And to close the, the bottom off, they had a piece of uh, heavy cloth. And this the sound from the burner did not transfer into the duct because the cloth would stop that. That absorbed it. It was very quiet. And uh, so I was always very happy with it and never had any trouble with it until until the end and uh, uh, so we got central heat and we had a couple of outlets and then the next thing we had a snowstorm the winter came in and I come home and there is snow in the bedroom in the front in the one bedroom that we, there was two bedrooms mm. uh, along the entire front Small, but there was two. And the one bedroom we were not using had snow in it. And I thought, geez, there is a leak somewhere, so I look. And the more I thought about it, and I talked to Ted, I said, uh, well, he said, you're going to have to rip it down. He said, uh, it's not worth fixing. And you're close to the road. It was way too close. And uh, I said, the heck with it. I'll get a second mortgage and I'll build a piece on the back. And then I have what I want because the lot was uh, two feet, was 98 by 100 or 110. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and the lots at the time had to be 50 by 100, that was the minimum size. Right. And, uh, so I went to the town and I said, maybe I can sever the lot and, uh, and I have the house and I fix it up because I like to put the piece on the back and I like to take the bedrooms off the front because they're not worth fixing. Oh, okay, so this is taking the bedroom off the front and then building on the back. Got it. Yeah, so we kept that and we stuffed the cracks and whatnot with newspaper okay. as long as the snow stayed out. Yeah. And, uh, I started to to build. I got from an old farmer. I got a second mortgage, and I got the guy that I later worked for, Tony Horak, to come in with his backhoe to dig the basement, and then I got the blocks from Brooklyn Concrete, and uh, first I poured the footings, and I talked to several guys in Dunlop who knew a lot more about building and whatnot, because I never did anything like that, but you do this, you do that. Well, that's simple enough. And uh, so I built a piece on, and there was uh, three bedrooms and a bathroom. And uh, I had soon enough had the roof on it, because I was in a hurry to get it done. But, well, th that was still, we had to wait for spring to be able to do that. Of course, I didn't do that in the beginning and uh, because it was winter time. And then uh, I thought, well, I might as well uh, look at after the bathroom and get, uh, even if we have to go downstairs, at least we have a bathroom and I can do away with that old house. Mm -hmm. And uh, because we had enough trouble the first Halloween because it was quite customary that kids would come around at Halloween and we always went to Fairport Beach for Halloween. Yeah. And uh, we came home that Halloween night from Fairport and uh, I said, well, I go to the washroom before I go in. Mm -hmm. And it's a good thing that I knew something was wrong because the, the bloody thing is farther away. No, I didn't drink anything. And I saw there was the big hole. Mm -hmm. And what some kids must have done with four or five of them, lift the the, the, the washroom up, the that house, yeah. house, and they moved it behind. So the idea was when when we come home and it's dark enough, I'm going to step into that 
into that shithole. So uh, I thought, well, no, I got to do the washroom, but the pipe is in, all I have to do is put the pipe in on this side. That is when I first started to poke away at that hole that the owner told me the sewer pipe is on the other side. And I feel and feel, and I wasn't. I knew I was through the wall, and I still was digging dirt out of that hole, but there was no pipe. So I take the shovel and I start shoveling down outside, and I go down and down. But they had that hole allowed in the bottom of the wall before they put the foundation so that they didn't have to break the foundation. But then when they, whenever they get sewer, because they didn't have that, then they can just hook it up. And I, I assume that's what they wanted to do. So I started to dig, but there was nothing there. So I was screwed out of a good pile of money because that pipe was supposed to be there and it wasn't. But there was nothing I could do about it. I bought it. The thing was on my name, and that was it. So there's a couple of boys across the road, and they volunteered to dig the trench to the road. And then I would be able to put my sewer pipe in, and I have a plumber to hook it up to the main sewer. It was running beside the road. Yeah. And uh, But soon enough, they could not do what they said. I don't care, we work here for two days, we'll never get it done. It was that clay stuff and uh, you keep your money but you keep your trench. And they left, they just left. And then I went to see Tony Hork and I, he dug the, the, the basement. Yeah, and I said, Tony, can you uh, dig that trench? He says, I'll come at lunchtime, he says, I'll come by and have a look at it. And he had one of those little backhoes to, for trench digging. Yeah. And uh, he said, yeah, that sh shouldn't be much of a problem. He said, uh, yeah, I'll dig that. And I knew I had to pay anyway, so it didn't matter. I never asked how much it's going to be. I trusted Tony. And uh, he went to the same church, which I thought made the world a difference to still believing at the time. But anyway, and Tony was pretty fair about it. That's not the point. And he dug it, then I had, uh, and he hooked it up too. For some reason, he had the license or he knew or what, but he hooked it up to the main sewer. So we had sewer and I put a, a plug in the end, uh, put the elbow through the wall. So uh, inside I put a big plug in it so the sewer smell wouldn't come up. And then I started to prepare for the uh, for the toilet drain, but you can only do so much in your half time and then on weekends, of course. But eventually, I had a toilet in, and uh, and uh, he backfilled the trench and, and whatnot for a machine that doesn't take much. And So just picking up, so it sounds like we've done a fair amount of renovation moving into the Byron home. Yeah. So you took it from a two-bedroom front to a three-bedroom three bedroom at the back. With the bath, washroom. Yeah. Now, did you leave the two bedrooms at the front? As soon there? as we, uh, I had the back done far enough mm -hmm. that we could actually uh, not move in, but we could sleep there. Yeah. We could use it. Uh, uh, that's when I took the front off because, yeah. well, I didn't have to go that fast, but I needed some time because at the time they used jib rock, not drywall. Mm. Same thing except it was drywall that came in, uh, uh, was uh, by little pieces and uh, they used to plaster it. They had lath before that and then they modernized and they invented Jib rock, and then jib rock was replaced with drywall, mm -hmm. and I insulated the whole thing, uh, and I put tar paper on the roof to keep it dry inside, 
And that's what they, the plasterers, two Finnish guys, they were uh, going to do the plastering. And they told me that uh, you better get your tar paper on it because when it rains and if the rain leaks in, it'll take the plaster right off the ceiling. Understandable. So uh, I had good, the heaviest tar paper I could get and I nailed that up there and or stapled it. And uh, we could then move the bed in and sleep there. But then the misfortune was that one night it was, the wind was blowing hard. And I looked outside and it doesn't look good. It's gonna rain. And the next thing I know, no sooner did I think that I go and have a look. And one piece of the tar paper came loose and it was blowing up. I said, well, I got to go up on the, on the roof and staple that on because uh, I could have put a, a piece of wood on there. Never thought of it at the time. I had a staple, so I stapled back on. And I climbed up, but around, uh, that was all dug out, and there was all this clay and mud and crap. And I had my rubber boots on, and I climbed on the ladder, and I go on the roof, stapling that on. And by then it is dark, and as I go down to, towards the, to go back to the ladder, because I had to go to the nook of the roof, and I started to slide and slide, and I couldn't, there was nothing to hang on to. I should have been more careful, but I was in a rush. I was afraid that they had the brown coat of the plaster already on the ceiling. And that was enough, he said, uh, for the for beginner, because the finished coat come later on. And uh, I started to slide, and there was no... Uh, no eavesdrops or nothing. And I slid off the roof backwards because I had clay on my boots and the rain was coming down on the tar paper. And I fell with my bum on a skid of bricks that was sitting there that I was going to use for the chimney. Mm -hmm. And uh, I fell with my bum on that skid of bricks. And that is why I still have troubles now. But I was very fortunate. I could have been a quadriplegic or a paraplegic or dead, falling off a roof. You know, you don't do that too many times. And hurt was terrible. And I just called inside and what did you do? Oh boy, and you. So anyway, the next day, well, I was on day shift and I had to go to work. Mm. And it hurt like hell. It, I had to, uh, I don't think I ever had that much pain trying to walk. But I had to go inside Dunlop because I couldn't afford to uh, have an accident on my own mm -hmm. because I needed the income. Mm -hmm. Things were tight enough as it was. So I thought if I can make it so that I slipped on something in Dunlop mm -hmm. and uh, it worked. I, uh, we had the dressing room downstairs, you come in. I know it is not right, but I had no choice. I really had no choice. And I go down the stairs and then I get up and I'm all bent over. And the guy says, what's the matter? I said, well, I was in too much of a hurry going downstairs. And I slipped on something and I fell with my bum on the edge of the next, there's two sets of stairs. Yeah. There's a landing in between. And, uh, and I fell with my bum on the landing. I said, I don't know what, what I damaged, but it hurt like hell. Well, let me help to you to the, to the nurse. Mm -hmm. You know, they had the nurse all the time there, day and night. And uh, so he helped me to the nurse. Well, no, you can't, you got to go and see the doctor. So I went to see the doctor and I got compensation for that. Mm -hmm. because I, well, I needed, I just needed that income. Right. At the same time, the project at home, 
was done because I had to wait until um, I could work again. And I was off for a few weeks. And as soon as I could somehow uh, put in some time in work, mm. uh, I didn't work overtime anymore, of course. And uh, slowly I got going. I was lucky that nothing serious got broken, mm. uh, except we didn't think so. And, uh, and I started to work at home again. And on and on, things got better. And, you know, you're lucky bugger, but you make sure that you don't do that anymore. So the next thing, I put a couple of boards, you know, it's like you're filling in the well after the calf is drowned in it. But I put a couple of planks over the bottom so that if I start sliding, I got something to hang on to. And I had a board on the nook that I could hang or hook a, a chain or a rope behind so that I could never fall. Because if for any reason you got to go on the roof, you have some kind of safety. And uh, uh, things got better. But then uh, oh, a couple of years later, it started to bother me again. That uh, And I had to go see a chiropractor. Mm -hmm. And he took a picture of my back and I told him what happened. And uh, he said, well... I can fix that. He took x-rays and he showed me. He said, you got a couple of collapsed discs. And he, I said, what, what do you mean? He said, well, between your vertebrae, there is a disc. And with the, uh, with the strain put on them, there are cushions to cushion the vertebrae on each other. And he showed me, he explained that, so I could kind of understand it. And uh, that got help, but... Uh, uh, so today at 89, I'm still paying for it because when you get older, things start to shrink mm -hmm. and my back hurts. But meanwhile, they have these things to put on your back. And uh, I've always been pretty lucky in that respect. Nothing that uh, would uh, disable me for the rest of my life, which it easily could have. And, uh, but I got through that anyway. Uh, I finished the whole thing. The plasters came in. Mm. I got the whole thing wired up. That was uh, the, the lucky thing. I could rewire everything mm. at the same time while we were at it because it only had a, a 40 amp service. And at the time, we didn't need any more. Uh, and then we got. Uh, uh, I bought a new washing machine in Oshawa. We didn't have an Oshawa, uh, a washing machine. And Honey went to her sister in Fairport every week yeah. to do the laundry. Right. And the diapers and stuff was uh, outsourced to the cleaners who came by every week. The same as the milkman and mm -hmm. stuff like that, the eggman. And... Uh, uh, so uh, it started to look a lot like a house again. Mm. And the outside was, uh, was just tar paper. That's how it was. But I thought, well, at least it gives me a chance to put on it what I want. Mm. And I could have put uh, bricks on, but that was too costly. I already checked it. So I thought I'll put clapboard on. And I bought the clapboard and I put that on. Put the clapboard around the, the back part, and we had a, a bathtub and a shower over it, and we had a toilet. And man, we were right on top of the heap, mm. uh, and all the other things, uh, a lot of them didn't exist yet. So we had our bedroom, and then we made the next bedroom for the baby. Mm. And then we had the next bedroom for a spare. Yep. And uh, then Annie's parents came over. And uh, my father-in-law, he, uh, he was a bricklayer. And uh, he soon enough, well, there is so much work to be done here. Uh, 
you got those bricks sitting there. If you can get some more, I said, yeah, I have more coming. He said, well, then I'll make a driveway out of it. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, paving brick, but back home, it's very normal. Yeah. You see a lot of that in Europe. So he put on a, 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 a set of old workloads, mm-hmm. brick by brick, he put it in. And while I was working, he was constantly working all day. And I thought, well, that, but he wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. And then when the driveway was finished, <clears throat> perfect. He said, uh, when I was coming by the front door, he says, uh, you should have a step to get in the house. I never put a step in, there never was one. Mm-hmm. There was a bedroom yeah. where the step had to go. So he said, there is enough bricks sitting here. And I make a set of steps and I put the wall around it. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, that whatever you want. And that's what he did, and I come home from work, and it starts to come out of the ground, and yeah. the next day, the step was done. He was not satisfied yet. He said, the chimney that you have outside, he said, that's the pitch, that's no good. Uh, he said, you got to put, uh, you, you got to finish it off, at least blasting it or something, but you got these cement blocks, you could get cement blocks and you put them around the clay pipe and that's where the chimney is. Mm-hmm. And I had the cement blocks, I put them in myself, but the dad wanted to plaster it all up, put a nice cap on. So that's what he did. He spent a lot of time uh, just working, but that's what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I never asked him to, in fact, I, I tried for him not to do that, but, and then same as, uh, uh, my mother-in-law, it was uh, a blessing. She was forever telling Annie what, uh, how to do this and how to do that. And because when <laughs> when Daddy was still home and her mom said, uh, Honey, you come in the kitchen and you have to learn how to cook. Why would I have to learn to cook? And uh, because, well, she young and uh, uh, well you're gonna have to learn to cook when you get married you you have to know you got to do the cooking that was normal at the time and still is to a great extent and she said mom I'm never gonna get married anyway not thinking that well she's gonna have to cook maybe Mm -hmm. she thought she was forever gonna be living at home Uh, when you're young you have different thoughts so, how long did they stay with you? Do you remember? I they, have they, to, lived, they, they lived in Holland? Yeah. So they, they came, came over for a visit? Yeah. Do you remember how long? And Joe and uh, they were here for half a year. Yeah. But they also stayed with the others. Mm. But uh, we were in a better position to, to get them because. Casper and Agnes, they had three kids, and yep. in their house, they didn't have the room. Casper was yep. faced with the same proposition of yep. doing some building. And uh, and then Joe and Nelly, they uh, didn't have their own house yet. So in the apartment, they couldn't accommodate them. And then... Uh, uh, you got a spare bedroom and it works perfectly. Yeah, well, oh, it was it, it was yeah, ideal. So the, uh, but I think we must have had them out of the six months. We must have had them five, mm-hmm. and the other time they they had little yeah. uh, a few days here, a few mm-hmm. days there. You went around, yeah. and I remember Joe and I. I had a fifty-four Buick. That uh, oh, that was my car, mm-hmm. and the guy across the road from us there on Byron, he was a foreman at GM in Oshawa, a Polish guy, mm-hmm. Frank Kapuscinski, and uh, he had a Buick Super 54. I loved the build of it, the looks of the front, everything. But anyhow, he said, uh, uh, if you want to 
do away with the old car. I, uh, I'm getting a new car. He was getting that from the company, I believe. Mm. And he would send me that one. And uh, he says, I'll make it easy enough for you. And so anyhow, uh, I bought that car. And that is the car that Joe and I went to Montreal Harbor to pick them up when they come off the boat. They came over on the boat in 61, I think it was. And uh, yeah, must have been. And uh, so that was quite a thing. Uh, Joe and I, uh, we, we left there and uh, uh, it was a lot, Montreal is a long ways. Yeah. Especially when the distance from Whitby to Montreal is bigger than the full length of the country back home. Mm -hmm. And uh, well, are we ever getting there? And then there was a, a truck at one point and it was uh, going slow and the, I wanted to pass it mm. and uh, I saw my way clear. And I, I passed the truck and I thought I might as well pass the car in front of it. And I tried, so I, I just get past that, beside that car. And as I get beside him, and there is traffic coming, and I wanted to get off, and this car speeds up. So I slow down to get behind him, then he slows down. When I try to get ahead again, and the traffic is coming. And I was lucky, I just somehow uh, the truck saw that, I guess, that truck driver behind, and he slowed down and left a gap for me to sneak in. But that scared the hell out of me, and I always bore that in mind. Never, because people can do, make an awful mess out of things like that. So, uh, so you, but, picked, you picked him up in Montreal, drove him back to uh, Whitby for Montreal? To Whitby. Yeah. Was, it, was that the first time in Canada? That was the first time they came here. Yeah. And they've been several times, but yeah. uh, that was, uh, we had the most work. Mm. And uh, uh, I was in Holland in 63 when my dad was in the hospital and they sent me a telegram saying that if uh, dad is dying, because that's what they had said. He had the last rites from the church mm -hmm. and uh, he was made ready to die. And I thought, it doesn't matter how, but I'm going to have to uh, see him once more. Yeah. And uh, I flew back, took 12 hours, was a, a four engine plane, yeah. uh, an unbelievable. Anyway, I got home and in time. Uh, and I saw my dad alive, it was the last time I did see him. And uh, boy, was he excited when I got there. Uh, my kid brother Theo said, well, I'll go with you. Yeah. Uh, if you drive, he said, then I'll go with you. Yeah. Because uh, it'll be too big a shock for dad when he, he doesn't expect you. Because he kept saying all along, it's unbelievable that we will never see him again. I just find that hard to believe. And he, he was really very unhappy about it. So uh, Theo went with me and he went into the room first. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said, hi, Dad. Oh, hi, Theo. How are you? I'm fine, but I have uh, somebody with me. Oh, who is it? He said, I'll give you three guesses. Uh, mother would pick it up upstairs. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, and he said, Oh, uh, Tante Nelly, that's Aunt Nelly. Mm -hmm. uh, he said, no, oh, uh, Uncle Bill, like I would call Uncle Bill. And Theo said, no. And then Dad said, 
well, if it isn't them, then I don't care. And he went, uh, lay back again and closed his eyes. And I was watching that through the crack of the door. And I thought, no, I got to go in. And he had gotten older. I could tell that uh, since I left. And I went in there. And I didn't say anything. I just looked at him. And all of a sudden, he opened his eyes. He wanted to look at Theo and say something to Theo again. And then he saw that I was standing there. That is not Theo. And he closed his eyes. Then he realized. And he opened. And he said, Albert. I said, yeah. How are you, Dad? So I gave him a big hug. And, uh, oh, he said, where's the cigars? He said, we got to celebrate. Theo, where's the cognac? Uh, Dad, take it easy. Albert's going to be here for three weeks. Nothing to worry about. And uh, we'll be back. But he just wanted to come and see you. And he was so happy and talkative. And uh, it was one of the greatest moments in my life to see him from more or less lying there dying to totally reviving again. And... Uh, uh, yeah, he did come. He, he came out of the out of the hospital, and he died in 1965, in March 65. It was in May 63 when I went to see him, and in March 65 he died. And uh, but I got ahead of myself there because. Uh, uh, I jumped to 63, but it happens that Dad uh, was there. That is why I also took a week out from the three weeks I was there in 63 to see. I already knew my parents-in-law by then. They had been to Whitby, to Canada, and uh, so I wanted to see uh, on his hometown, and that's what I did at the time. Yeah, well, but yeah, you definitely jumped ahead. So we're yeah. back in '61. So they came over. This is the first time they were over. From what I understand, your in-laws. And yeah. You picked them up in Montreal and drove them back yeah. to Whitby. But yeah, we've we've gone on. So we'll have to kind of put a pin into that. Um, yeah. Sort of next week. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, we have to. Yeah. We'll talk to everyone next week. Okay.